the flush of new love. What is it like and where does it go? The egg story. Have you heard it? It's simple enough, but listening or sharing it more than a few times as I have, you can hear and see a much deeper message than the simple three-word title. Okay, the egg story. Here's how it goes. We begin our relationships as two egocentric individuals, separate eggs, so to speak, from our own egg cartons. And then we fall in love. And it all changes. Life changes. Everything changes. We begin to do things together. We spend more time together, as much time as we can. We begin to blend our lives. We fall in love. Welcome to Personalities, Parenting and Partners. It's the podcast that connects you with the ones you care about most. I'm Kate Mason. Now, phase one of new love. It's so exciting. You're so excited to see your new partner each and every time. Your heart races each and every time. You're always doing what the other likes. You're so happy to please. You do different things. I went to concerts and watched bands I didn't like. Don't get me wrong, I love live music, but heavy metal is not my thing. Pretending to enjoy the music as my ears ached with the overwhelming sound of screeching guitars, I watched on as Paul had a great time. But hey, that's okay. Being with my new love was just music to my ears. I ate fried food. I went to the football. I sat on the beach and watched him surf, smiling the entire time because, well, I loved him. We spent money, too much in some cases. We bought expensive gifts for each other, even though neither of us could afford it. The price tag meant nothing. I could just hardly wait to give my present to him. His happiness was my reward. We went out all the time. We went to movies any movie, as long as the other person liked it. We went out with friends. Paul came clothes shopping with me and waited patiently outside the change rooms. We packed picnics and went into the country. Great sex? If not, who cares? You're in love. Now I see it as scrambled eggs. You're so mixed up in each other's lives, you immerse yourself in each other. Both your body and your mind become scrambled. You don't know what you're doing, and you don't really care. We're all kind of like Mother Teresa, who was a nun of great humanity and kindness, for those of you who are too young to know her. So what I mean is, we're willing to do anything for our loved one at this stage without question or hesitation. We lose interest in any other pursuits. At 16, my daughter Cassie was so in love with her first boyfriend that she felt physically sick most of the time. She couldn't eat. She couldn't sleep or study. Her emotions had taken over her brain and her body. When my friend met her partner, he was only home for one week a month. During this week, she went out with him every night, sometimes until 3am. She was exhausted at work the next day, but she was in love and she wanted every moment she could possibly spend with him. When I first met my husband, Paul, he was a swimming coach and got up at 5am every morning to go to work. I would set my alarm and get up 10 minutes before he woke, brush my teeth and my hair, pop on a bit of mascara and slide back into bed. When he woke up and went to work, 
he would kiss me goodbye, telling me how lucky he was to have such a beautiful girlfriend. We're so in love, we don't think we'll ever change. Why would we? We look at others who don't appear to be in love anymore, and we say to each other, we will never be like them. We will always take care of each other. Now, as we know, if this new love stage of the relationship continued forever, we would all be in trouble. The world would be full of tired, unfocused people who were only willing to give their love, time and effort to one person. Have you ever been in a situation yourself? Or do you know of others who have? And what kind of things did you or did they do while you were in this stage? Would the world continue? No, it wouldn't. All right, so let's move to stage two of the egg story. It's the separation. The scrambled eggs begin to unscramble. That wonderful, innocent glow of initial love begins to recede and reality enters the picture. Yikes. Suddenly, you can't do anything right. Cassie realised that she did like food and her sleep and needed to study. My friend got tired of being tired and went to bed early every night. She didn't really need to see that much of her boyfriend. And me? I realised that putting on my makeup and getting early was exhausting and stressful. So no more morning beauty for Paul. I told him not to wake me up before he left either. So no more kisses goodbye. How could I? What a shock. Couples' conversations change. And boy, do they. He says, sex tonight? She says, I'm too tired. Or vice versa. He says, can I buy a new car? She says, we can't afford it. She says, can we visit my parents? He says, I don't like visiting your parents that often. Things that are once cute and quirky become, well, really annoying. Problems that once appeared small are now mountainous and often appear unsolvable. The cap on the toothpaste that never gets put back on. The knickers that lie on the floor next to the clothes basket, never in it. Seriously? Is it that hard? The toilet seat that seems forever lodged in the up position. The inevitable toilet roll and no one's ever responsible. The makeup wipes on the bathroom counter. No one really likes making dinner. Huh? Wasn't that our time together? Someone peeled while the other person prepped. What happened to that cute arrangement? No one wants to clean the house. The list goes on. Can you remember this stage? Now here's something for you to consider as our story continues. What was it about all those changes that you can remember the most? Maybe you could let me know at the end of the podcast so we could all look at our different egg-separating moments. The infatuated stage of first love finishes, either for one or for both of you. You begin to separate into your own egg form again, separate, solid, with a shell. You return to your normal thoughts, ideas and behaviours. You often reveal very different likes and dislikes to those that you showed in the first stages. Often you don't appear to be the person the other person thought they knew and loved. Many people regard this first phase as deception and they feel betrayed 
My husband, Paul, had to realise that I didn't like his taste in music or movies and sitting on a beach while he surfed getting bitten by sandflies was painful and really boring. And fried food, well, bleh. Phew, I'm surprised he stayed with me, but I did love him. He really didn't like going out. He didn't like the beach, hated sand between his toes. Large groups of friends were overwhelming and any kind of clothes shopping was really just a chore to get over with as fast as possible. But he loved me. For Paul and I, it was six to seven months before we hit phase two and it was an almighty jolt. We had many disagreements and arguments as we found our way to our new normal. But we hung in there and we discovered that we liked this second phase as well. If you look at the second phase for what it really is, the morphing of your relationship into a stronger, more realistic version, then you can move forward. Now don't get me wrong, this first phase of love can take weeks, months, even years to get to phase two, and the reality is for some people, it never really happens. They remain blissfully in love for the rest of their lives. Wow, now that's a beautiful story. But spoiler alert, I've yet to meet many of these people and I do know they exist and I'm really happy for them. However, most people are your everyday people, just like you and I. So what does happen to our relationships when we get to this second phase? Do people break up? Sadly, yes, they do. Do some people stay together but live in unhappiness and resentment as their relationships deteriorate? Again, sadly, yes, they do. And I'm sure that you know of someone or yourself who has been in this situation. Do some people find an equable, happy relationship when this stage of love is over? Absolutely. Have you been there? How did you manage to get past the first phase of love? What did you do? Can you remember? Did it seem hard or was it a natural flow on? Our desire for love and lifelong relationships is a deep-seated part of human psyche. We read books about it. We watch movies and talk shows. Our friends and family are full of words of advice and ideas about how you should be managing your relationships. The fact is, as a population, we're in love with the word love. It's true. When I was young, we really meant it when we used the word love. We rarely spoke out loud about love for each other. When I was a child, I knew that my mother loved me from her actions and loving care. She never verbalised her love. It is only later in life she told me how she loved me, and it was huge for both of us, as it was so special. Nowadays, we just love everything. We love our shoes. I love your dress. I love pizza. I love going out. We shout, I love you, as we run out of the front door, often not really to anyone at all, just to those who will listen. The word love doesn't really seem to mean much anymore. Now the stage two of love that we're talking about today is the feeling of love that's actually associated with a primary human emotional need. It's not just a casual throwaway term. If we accept the first obsessional stage of love for what it is, a necessary high and initial journey of love with our partner, then it's time to pursue real love. 
Without solutions to help us get through this next stage of love, breakdowns in relationships can lead to separation and divorce. Can this be stopped with the right tools? Of course it can. Come on, is it not worth the effort? Here it is. You have to work on your relationship. You have to put yourself in someone else's shoes and see the world through their eyes and anticipate their reactions and put their needs and wants first. Sounds scary, doesn't it? This involves effort and discipline. In our early years, I used to love to plan many social occasions for Paul and I. I was a party girl. However, we would always end up in an argument over how frequent they were and then no social life would happen for me at all. I was frustrated and angry. Seriously, what was his problem? I had no idea what to do about it until I read a book about temperaments. After doing so, I realised how different Paul and I were in our personalities. And I wasn't thinking of Paul at all in my planning of my fun external life. I was thinking about me. Once I realised my constant plans were not what he wanted or liked, I decided to take his thoughts and feelings into account. It was hard work. I didn't want to change. I didn't want to think about somebody else. But I did. I made sure we went out only once on a weekend. And he was happy if I got my friend fixed at times we weren't doing anything else. Did I get what I wanted? On one hand, no. I love seeing people. And I loved seeing them with Paul. On the other hand, yes, I got a happy partner who felt loved and cared about because I had put him first. It's the choice to expend energy in the effort to benefit another person, knowing that their life will be enriched by the actions you take. In doing so, your reward will be to have truly loved and cared about another person, who in return will love and care and support you. True love cannot begin until your in-love experience has run its course. And there you have it, the egg story. Now I have three hard-boiled eggs for you to take away. Number one, enjoy the first phase of love for all it holds, the joy of perfect moments and the excitement of feeling infatuated and in love. Number two, know that the second phase of love is also important. It's the beginning of a journey into a deeper, more realistic love which can last a lifetime. Number three, remember that taking the time to make another person feel loved and happy is one of the most rewarding experiences you will ever have. Next time, we'll talk about the personality tools we need in our relationship toolbox to help us understand how to love ourselves and others. This has been Personality Parenting and Partners the podcast that connects you with the ones you care about most. I'm Kate Mason.